here's the joke on this week. <laughs> uh, it's always on David Moyes, the joke, clearly. I really enjoyed the West Ham game. Did you enjoy the West Ham game, Matt? Well, I enjoyed it for a number of reasons. You know, obviously, United won, and, and uh, it was... Um... It was a decent performance, wasn't it? And for once, it was United playing the football and the opposition playing percentage hit-and-hope stuff, uh, which was kind of nice to see in a way. Uh, West Ham kept banging the ball along at Andy Carroll, who who was pretty effective in the air, uh, just didn't get any support around him to, to make that tactic effective. And, and United played some decent football in what looked like a much more narrow formation and much more flexible and fluid and... And uh, a couple of very good goals. Well, one very good goal and one a slightly fortunate goal. Yeah, I was really kind of almost giddy with excitement after that game. I mean, it, in context, of course, it's a win against West Ham. I guess that's more significant than the win against West Brom when they were so awful because West Ham have not been that bad. Uh, but it was just beautiful football pretty much from start to finish from United. There was a little bit of defensive vulnerability, but not really. Fellaini with a bombastic performance all over the pitch and the fantastic interplay between Kagawa and Mata balanced well by Ashley Young who everyone screams as soon as his name gets mentioned on a team sheet but I thought he did his job pretty effectively and Rooney is a number nine it's not so much that I think he's a much better number nine than Van Persie because I don't think he is it's just that Rooney's a much better number nine than he is a number ten right? Well Rooney isn't a number ten uh, he's a player who likes to drift a little deeper but essentially his best seasons have all come for United when when playing at nine uh, which is uh, I have to say contradictory to what I felt about Rooney uh, for a long time through his career that he would uh, he would do better in a slightly deeper role I, I just think the challenge comes for him when uh, he's the main creative fulcrum he's uh, he's just not flexible enough or good enough and some of those principal skills that he had uh, his ability to beat a man and find space have have gone as well as his uh, rather poor first touch but that said um, when he's up front he does seem to come into his own again and uh, you couldn't complain about the first touch all the second touch in fact for his first goal a a thing (laughs) of beauty from uh, more than 40 yards out more than 50 yards out absolutely stunning just beautiful to watch it's great to think that Rooney can still take your breath away, you know, because we've, we've talked so often on this show about the lad losing some of his magic, but he's finally done it, Ed. He's finally chipped a keeper. He said in his post-match interview, to be fair, I've tried that a few times. It's like, yes, you certainly have, lad. But it was absolutely brilliant to see it pay off. And the fact that the keeper sort of falls backwards into the net at the end of it just added to the sort of aesthetic perfection of it, like Foreman going down and Ali choosing not to throw the punch, uh, that, that last one. Well, well, yes, I think it would have been more aesthetically pleasing if it had gone directly in rather than bouncing once. Uh, it just takes away from, from some of the beauty, I think. But yeah, look, I, I know what you mean and uh, outstanding goal. But was it was it a volley? Was it half volley? Was it a lob? Was it a chip? I'm not quite sure how you'd describe it. Uh, either way, uh, fantastic to spot the keeper off his line and, and absolutely brilliant execution. Of course, uh, West Ham complained afterwards that it was a foul. I, I thought not. I thought he was just a bit stronger than the defender there. Um, maybe we'd have complained if it was the other way around, but uh, if you're going to call that a foul, then uh, then you're going to have to call a lot of things a foul, I suppose. Either way, absolutely brilliant. West Ham just weren't in the game anyway, and, and it was a, a really good start from United coming so early in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I felt that coming into the City game that we really need to 
not concede a goal early in that game and we need to get one in the first 20 minutes because that does seem to make all the difference to us of course uh, that's not exactly what happened but yeah just on the Rooney goal the bounce whilst it may have slightly detracted from the aesthetic perfection of it it did add a heart in mouth moment as you kind of thought for a second oh my god it's going to bounce over and then no it goes in just to give it the full kind of roller coaster effect but yeah beautiful a beautiful goal and, and a fine performance all round from Rooney I want to talk a bit about Mata and Kagawa Kagawa in particular just because I think everyone assumes that Mata's good although he had a terrible game against City but the two of them together just look like an incredible force to me I mean nominally Kagawa playing on the left Mata behind Rooney with Young on the right but actually Kagawa and Mata both incredibly fluid and flexible about both their positioning and the range of passing and the amount of kind of chances created and all that stuff yes I mean very flexible from the both of them it was hard to say exactly what positions they started though Kagawa nominally from the left uh, drifting inside significantly uh, and uh, Ashley Young much a little more traditional on the right hand side and, and uh, Wan Mata drifting into all kinds of positions from a, the central role which he himself has said is the one he prefers and the one he wants to play so uh, it worked for United uh, in that kind of flexible formation we've we've seen it a couple of times this season not very often have to say M- most of the time United set up in a pretty traditional sort of 4-4 two or four four one one type formation there's not a lot of fluidity to the play and it's it's essentially a case of getting it out wide and getting it in wasn't the case against West Ham and of course it makes a complete difference when you have uh, Kigara and Matter and Rooney is a triumvirate there wasn't really anyone to deliver a lot of crosses I suppose Ashley Young was the one man there but uh, he, he didn't really play in that way either nice to see uh, a good performance from Kagawa I think there's way more to come and I I do think that he kind of springs into life as soon as he comes into central areas and uh, it's much more difficult for him from uh, a wide area but it helps him that the formation was flexible and uh, I think if you put him in a pretty much a 4-4-2 and and stick him on the left hand side he really struggles and it's kind of an observation that characterizes his time at uh, Old Trafford Uh, whether he can save his United career? I don't know. Well, it depends on who comes in the summer to replace the abject, dismal, pathetic failure of a manager that is David Moyes. <laughs> well, of course, Bobby Charlton saying this week that there was absolutely no way that United would be changing everything now and they were certain he was the right man. There are other rumours, uh, in fact, stronger than rumours, uh, that uh, the Glazer family do have a contingency plan here. It would be nutty of them not to, wouldn't it? Because uh, if, if they don't see a future under Moyes that they they have to start planning now. Uh, if Bobby Charlton is uh, reflective of the board's position, and uh, it's not necessarily true that he is, uh, then then Moyes is going to get another season. I'm afraid you're going to be disappointed, Mr. Ansorge. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yesterday after the game, I said, he's not going to go. I wish he'd go. He's not going to sort it out and get better. I wish he'd sort it out and get better. You know, that's the, the, the horrible dilemma at the moment. It's just like, no, he's, he's neither going to leave nor improve. It's just going to stay the way it is with moments of improvement. But the thing is, the moments of improvement, they keep happening in spite of him. And I think these two games this week, week couldn't show clearer focus of how it really is in spite of Moyes when we play well the only reason we were good against West Ham is because Van Persie got injured not because Van Persie is anything other than a wonderful centre forward but because it forced Moyes to abandon the Rooney at 10 obsession 
You know, that was it was the only reason why we could. Then immediately against City. Now, I actually think it was perfectly reasonable to play three in the middle against City. But there's a lot of different ways of playing three in the middle. And putting Tom Cleverley accidentally on the right wing for 20 minutes or whatever isn't the way. But we'll come on to the City game. A uh, final point for me on the West Ham game is just Fellaini and Fletcher made a really fine uh, central midfield pairing. Fellaini did a lot of work covering Michael Carrick, who was playing at central defence and stopping being exposed, which was really excellent. And also contributed a lot linking up really well with Mata and Kagawa and it, he looked really comfortable in that game it was really nice to see and Fletcher offers something that none of our other midfielders do a really neat and tidy performance and with Michael Carrick in such terrible form you know you could say that some combination of Fletcher, Giggs and Fellaini is probably our strongest midfield mm. yeah look uh, Fellaini has done okay in games where he doesn't face anyone that's the kind of dynamic in midfield right look fact he was good at Crystal Palace he was good at West Brom he was good at West Ham uh, he has he not faced a midfield that is pressing him buzzing around him that is nimble of foot and thought uh, and uh, I'm I'm not having for a second that this guy is uh, of the kind of quality that is suitable for a club of United stature. Just don't believe it. There's been nothing there, and I don't think a good performance against West Ham gives me any evidence that that's the case, right? That said, he did perform well against West Ham. I thought he was one of United's better players. I think there were a lot of positive comments made about him and he should take a lot of confidence from the performance I think the trouble is he's just not got enough in the locker to ever be a top quality player I suppose that's not his fault he's just not good enough Uh, and it's not his fault that United spunked a ridiculous amount of money on him either at least double his true value in the market but uh, but there you go you know he's uh, he is a Manchester United player it would be nice for United to bring in some better players so he was only a squad player uh, rather one that we're expecting uh, to perform to a £27 million level. That's the key for me, is that he is an excellent addition to United's squad and not an excellent addition to United's first team. Yeah, so anyway, that was the, the West Ham game and, and all in all, the most maybe the most comfortable win since the Leverkusen game. West Brom was pretty comfortable too, I guess, but it just United looked so good in possession and, it, and the whole game basically took the pattern of that third West Brom goal. And you're looking at it thinking... It really sticks in my craw, the David Moyes thing, because it's so blindingly obvious that when United play to their strengths, they're much better than when they play to their weaknesses. And Moyes has spent almost the whole season getting us to play to our weaknesses. And the few occasions when he has been forced by circumstance to get us to play to our strengths, we've looked beautiful and then he immediately abandons it. So honestly, I just can't wait till he's gone. <sighs> Moyes hate going on there. Moyes hate, not, not quite as good as that rant on um, on the uh, full-time Devils YouTube channel. Uh, if you haven't seen that, it's a, it's a thing of uh, beauty and much amusement, I have to say, Al- along with a six-year-old kid who uh, deconstructs David Moyes quite uh, suitably as well. Anyway, um, yes, uh, I mean, look, fair, fair comment. Um, United played well against West Ham. Uh, good performance and a, a good result, very good result in the circumstances. Um, and following the Olympiacos game, there was much talk of a revival or United being in good form. I thought some of that was a kind of ridiculous commentary given that uh, we played two very poor sides. But uh, um, there you go. So heading into the City game, uh, a little more confidence in the team, a little more confidence in supporters. There was almost a moment of hope that United might be able to do something against City. It is the hope that kills you. And uh, it took, what, 43 seconds for that hope to die uh, a withering 
and painful death. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly the last thing we needed. They came flying out of the blocks. That run from David Silva and a very fine tackle from Raphael in the box, but then he couldn't get himself back into position in time. Uh, and then they just scored because they're better than us. Uh, it was ugly to watch. Well, you know, I don't mean aesthetically, but yeah, that was it. And you think at that point, you know, the way this season's been, Moy said so many disgusting things after that game. Uh, one of the most disgusting was we were in it. We were in the game until the second goal went in. Yes, yes, no. That, that among many other things. Um, so look, uh, it, it was um, it was a kind of strange game in a way because United were just so all over the place. It was completely chaotic in the first half. I mean, more chaotic than I've seen a United tactical shape for some time, and that's you know that's saying something, isn't it, this season? But uh, it was a complete mess. So uh, nominally, it was a four-three-three with. Uh, Welbeck up front and Rooney and Matter in wide positions and Fellaini Carrick and, and Cleverly through the centre, although it didn't quite work out that way and it became very lopsided with Cleverly sort of hanging out on the right for a while and Matter drifting inside. Um, it was hard to tell exactly what shape that was. In an attacking sense, it allowed United to break from back to front very quickly and, and actually created quite a few chances through the first half in what, what looked like quite an open game. But defensively, uh, there was absolutely no strategy whatsoever, and that's a really damning indictment of David Moyes, I think. And I'm not quite sure what he thought was going to happen there, uh, but it was so all over the place. I think City could well have been more than the 1-0 up by half-time. Moyes claimed in the aftermath that United were in it after 15 minutes. have to say, from my position sitting in a bar in San Jose in California, it did not look like United were in it after 15 minutes. It it really looked uh, a case of uh, how many City wanted to score and whether they wanted to up the tempo at any point. Uh, because they were in complete control from what I could see. Yeah, I mean, I did think that United were were definitely in the game in that they, they made it look a bit tricky for City a few times. My thing about Moyes' comment was that the second goal should somehow kill us with 56 minutes gone. Man United, Manchester United, of all the teams, you should even think that it's slightly okay to think that we're out of a game at 2-0 down. And and the truth is, he was right, we were out of the game at 2-0 down, but he should instantly resign in that moment because of what he's done to the club. Because there's absolutely no way that that group of players would have considered themselves to be out of the game at 2-0 down this time last season. You know, it's it's insane. And the shape in the first half, when, when I saw the lineup, I thought that is a perfectly sensible decision to play properly three in midfield because every time we've gone two on two with City's midfield in recent times, it's been something of a disaster. And Torre and Fernandinho against Cleverly and Carrick, I wouldn't have been feeling too clever about. So I think put an extra man in there, but then be really clear and defined about what your shape is and don't instantly change it because you go a goal behind straight away. Because, you know, What's changed at that point, apart from the fact that you need a goal? You need a goal at nil-nil, you know? To sort of change the shape to make us more open when we just conceded a goal is 
abject. It, it was absolutely abject that first half was in terms of shape and stuff. And then there was some nice interplay, but the final ball was really badly lacking. Mata had an absolutely shocking game uh, and that carried all the way through the second half. And that just, yeah, it was just, it was a, a performance rotten to the heart. You know, there was some impetus for some of the time, but the fact that 2-0 absolutely killed us with more than half an hour to go, you know, it's uh, it's a disgrace. Mm. Well, we aspire to be at City's level, apparently. Oh. Which, yeah, which is another one that got many fans goat. Uh, rightly so, I think. I mean, th- this is an essential observation about David Moyes, isn't it? That he's just a little bit small time. Uh, and making comments like that means that he doesn't fully understand the club. United never aspire to be at City's level. And, and look, of course, he's trying to say that we should be playing as well as City. Well... Maybe we would if uh, if someone else was in charge, Davy. You know, it's a it's an obvious um, retort to that one, isn't there? Look, there there are many caveats you can you can talk about this season uh, when it comes to analysing David Moyes, and uh, you know, I, I know you shift the blame squarely onto his shoulders, and and uh, you know, it's fair to caveat and say that the players have uh, massively underperformed, that the squad that. Ferguson left was declining, that the Glazers have not invested in the team over the years. But the fact is that Moises very, very poorly managed that scenario. Uh, it, from the transfer strategy in the summer and the complete mess of recruitment to the last minute panic buy of Mara and Fellaini to the buy of Juan Mata, which was uh, entirely about timing and not about strategy, to uh, his his uh, handling of the staff and changing out and swapping the training regime, to his on-the-field tactics. And, and all of it has been a complete and utter mess. So, you know, it, it's fair in that, in that circumstance, while listing those caveats, to then point the finger of blame at David Moyes. He is the CEO of what happens on the field, and he's uh, thoroughly screwed it up. And it, it was almost as if the City game was... United season in a microcosm, you know, so uh, not not really any kind of strategy, uh, no no uh, kind of understanding of exactly what we are trying to achieve or where we are, or where we're headed, uh, a, uh, a total absence of quality, a total absence of strategy and tactically very poorly executed. So um, all of it a total mess for the game against City uh, and pretty much the same. Uh, for the rest of the season too. Yeah, absolutely. And and the whole kind of one step forward, two steps back thing that's saving Moyes' job, you know, because he'd be gone now if he hadn't managed to overturn that Olympiacos thing, I think. You know, at that point you think that's it, he's, he's here for the season and then the City game, so abject in the aftermath, you suddenly have that slight hope. I, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but last night I literally dreamt that David Moyes had been sacked and I was reading everyone's relieved responses on Twitter. This is what he's reduced me to. Mm, you've become the Piers Morgan of uh, United Podcast. It's a, it's a bit sad. That's uh, the worst <laughs> thing you've ever said to me and you've said some pretty <laughs> terrible things. Uh, I, I'd just like to say at this point that we are aspiring to the level of Football Weekly. I thought, I thought you were going to say we're aspiring to the level of uh, Piers Morgan's now axed TV show, which would have been uh, yeah more <laughs> apt in the circumstances of uh, David Moyes' comments. Yeah, no, I know where you're coming from uh, entirely, and uh, when when it comes to David Moyes and uh, you know that that kind of dichotomy that uh, I think a number of fans feel, and you know not just some kind of knee jerk reaction in social media, but a number of. Uh, of uh, fans of all kinds, those who go to the matches and, and, and others, uh, feel that um, it's got to the point where change is, is required uh, because they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You know? and, and, there, 
legitimately there is no reason to believe there is light at the end of the tunnel because there's no evidence on which to base that uh, other than some kind of hope right hope not being a strategy of any note it's difficult to to give that one any credence but that's what it is the board hope that Moyes will come good Moyes hopes that he'll be given enough time to sort it out and everyone hopes that David Moyes has some kind of plan no one has any evidence for any of that which is uh, which is uh, very very troubling and and of course I think the essential bit is uh, if if the fans in the stadium start to turn against Moyes, they've certainly stopped supporting him directly, haven't they, support the team, then we might be in a very different scenario where the owners and the board are given a legitimate reason to make a change. I don't think it will happen beforehand, and, and I wonder whether ego will get in the way anyway, and there won't be a change, even if some members of the board thought there should be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not the support has just gone. I don't know how much of you've been able to follow this from San Jose, but yesterday there was a seat change in atmosphere at Old Trafford picture captured of a man standing and berating Moyes uh, being held back by the stewards reports of people around Ferguson shouting at him and telling him to sort it out uh, the stewards having to protect protect the chosen one banner reports of people sort of shouting Moyes out around them at the ground um, so it, yeah it's turned that was that was the turning point there's there isn't I think people have realized that their whole-hearted deep-throated support of the team is being lied about in the press basically and made to and even after yesterday where there were still reports saying the crowd are still behind Moyes they're not they're just not there might be pockets of the crowd still uh, believing that believing in the concept of time but you know every further home disaster leads to fewer and fewer people supporting him and and you know we lost 3-0 to Liverpool and a week later we lost 3-0 to City at Old Trafford it's as bad as it gets yeah of course look there there is still a, a vocal portion of United support that uh, makes some very logical arguments about supporting David Moyes and giving him time you know notably uh, I suppose ex-players Giggs has said nothing uh, negative about Moyes at all Uh, Paul Scholes has been pretty supportive and said he's unlucky with injuries although he was pretty damning about Manchester United's performance Uh, very damning about Marouane Fellaini I have to say Gary Neville has been highly supportive of Moyes and the Glazers uh, uh, it gets to the point where you think that there's a cynical business reason behind that one as well, given uh, his interests in uh, developments in the area. Top reds such as Tufty and Pete Boyle are firmly behind David Moyes. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say you could characterise Manchester United support as having turned. This has not become Arsenal where... Uh, United uh, fans are chanting just spend some effing money uh, which Arsenal fans were doing at the uh, beginning of the summer. Of course um, they've had eight years of total failure and uh, United have had one so uh, there is some perspective in that too. Uh, Yeah there is the whole fan base might not have turned but the idea that the Old Trafford crowd as a collective is behind David Moyes is no longer something you can peddle as an accurate truth from what I can tell from asking people questions about it who've been to all the games this season and you know trying to just get a a feel of it in that way Uh, I'm super excited about the fact that I get to go to Manchester on Tuesday night to watch us get hammered by Bayern Munich I don't don't care that we're going to lose it'll be interesting to see all that stuff because obviously being there you get a much better sense of that uh, on the subject of Skulls and Neville, I actually thought that last night's coverage, Neville was more critical of Moyes than he has been so far, that's for sure. He asked some serious questions and actually I think Paul Skulls being there sort of almost forced him into it because Gary Neville can't uh, lie to Paul Skulls' face and get
get away with it, you know. There's uh, there's there's a certain integrity to Skulls. Uh, an absolutely remarkable performance. Uh, Paul Skulls appearing to be voluntarily on television. Clearly no one with a gun to his head. Talked and talked and talked and talked. Was absolutely brutally honest. I mean, held back absolutely no punches at all decimated Arsenal. It was fascinating to watch. Said Wilshere hadn't progressed since he was 17. When asked if he was shocked by Arsenal's performance, said no, not at all. This is what they do every year. Said he felt sorry for Arsenal fans being served up this same stuff. Uh, It was brilliant. You don't see that kind of honesty from ex-pros, but of course Paul Scholes is in a league of one in terms of uh, ex-pro quality. Well, he is, yeah. And and it's interesting that um, that uh, he feels the... uh ability to be open and honest about it. I mean, I suppose that's just Paul Scholes, isn't it? But uh, talk this week that uh, he will be offered a coaching job, uh, apparently met with Ferguson and David Gill, who is uh, still, of course, a non-exec director at, uh, at United, um, to talk about that coaching role, apparently. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Never, Neville's a different one because um, I think he's losing some face with United supporters, isn't he? Because of uh, because of his inability to be entirely objective about it. I mean, not only does he have those business dealings around Old Trafford, so he needs to keep the club on side, but of course he's an England co- coach and a Sky pundit, so there's a lot of conflict of interest going on there. That and uh, when it comes to Shinji Kagawa, he talks completely out of his bum, of course. Uh, but <laughs> of course he yes, does Ed. yes <laughs> that was uh that was the highlight of my week watching you argue with gary neville about the difference between a 4-4-2 and a 4-3-3 i was good I, I quite enjoyed it of course i did not hear from him again when i um gave him my analogy of uh sir alex ferguson using him in central defense didn't didn't hear a piece <laughs> out of him funnily enough <laughs> that was that was just mean that was so yeah it's a uh, it's all a bit of a catastrophe isn't it you're you're still no, he definitely deserves another season. You you want to see him in charge. You want to you want to see him in the dugout in August 2014. You want you want David Moyes there with Phil Neville and Steve Rand sat alongside him. That's a question or a statement? I'm asking them. <laughs> uh, well, no, but I never wanted him there in the first place. So um, I, I think uh, I have a perfectly good get out on that. Yeah, yeah. So no, uh, look, here's uh, here's the dichotomy. It's uh, no, I, I don't. I think the chances of David Moyes making a success of this are minimally small. Um, I think if given a very large transfer budget, there's a very high risk that he will make the wrong investments. I don't care about how many iPads he's got stuffed in. Uh, a dark room in Carrington. The man spent £27.5 million on Marouane Fellaini. That's the most damning indictment you can have of his transfer strategy. And then uh, the bizarre purchase of Juan Matu. Brilliant player, uh, but um, but t- entirely opportunistic, not about a plan. So uh, I think that the chances of him screwing this up are very large if given another season. I don't think there'll be any real evolution in the tactics because I don't know that he knows what he wants. And I, I do agree with your assessment that United's more nuanced and sophisticated uh, approach to the game against West Ham was largely down to injuries and and not any particular kind of strategy from David Moyes. So I think the chance of him being successful at United are very, very small. It leads me to think that uh, he he shouldn't be United manager. But that said, he's had less than a year in the job. Less than a year in the job. And there have been times when United have played decent football, like at West Ham. If we had that every week, uh, alongside some major investment I think we might all have a different uh, attitude to this one so it's very hard uh, as a Manchester United supporter to say uh, I want the guy out after less than a year in the job because you know in reflection we'd have all said that about Ferguson wouldn't we in very 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 different circumstances of course 
14th and and second in his first three seasons or whatever it was doesn't look very good does it in retrospect and maybe in time we'll think that seventh wasn't so bad at United although I very very much doubt it I mean yeah the list of reasons why it's different we don't need to go into because it's been gone into so many times but I don't have a dichotomy anymore my only dichotomy is a personal one where i genuinely don't wish ill on my worst enemy you know so like I don't like the idea of wanting someone to lose their brilliant job that they've got but I think ultimately like I kind of assuage my conscience with that a little bit by saying I kind of feel like David Moyes would be better off on a personal level, not in this job. It's affecting him. I think you're right. I think he's uh, he looks like a deeply stressed man. He, the fear in the eyes. I think I said on one of my pieces this week that he looks like a man trapped inside his own fear. And I, I think he is. I think it's uh, affecting his ability to think and act and do his job to the best. I think he, he shows fear at every turn. It, it comes out of his mouth and it, and it translates onto the pitch. And uh, I think he'd probably be a much happier man with £20 million in the bank and... Uh, and a you know nice holiday on the beach somewhere yeah absolutely and you know you take the hit to your ego and move on sort of thing but I don't have any dichotomy about it from a being a good Man United fan type approach and I know you're you're certainly not one who you know bandies some nonsense top red attitude around like you do see from people occasionally you know Man United fans are not like this they're like this and it's none of it's that accurate when you really delve into it but what I'm saying is I know that's absolutely not what you're doing but for me there's no dichotomy he is ruining the club if we were fourth and you know 20 points off first place or whatever and out of all the cups and and it had been a pretty dodgy season but there'd been some signs some consistency you got some sense that he was growing into the job then I wouldn't feel like this but actually he's not growing into the job he's shrinking out of the job as you say trapped in his own fear is the absolutely perfect description of what's going on for Moyes at the moment every decision worse than the last you know except the ones he's forced into except for the odd moment where he's got things right you know and I keep thinking back somebody linked me to a bunch of Everton forum threads from all over different places loads of different people some really good analysis of how much Moyes was holding back Everton and and you see them this season and see Ross Barkley and you think we bought Fellaini instead of him you know all that stuff Mm, well Everton wouldn't have been fool enough to let Barkley go Uh, not when United were prepared to put 27 million pounds on the table for Mahara and Fellaini (laughs) Yeah, so all this stuff and you see the fact that, you know, we could have had Mourinho and people didn't want Mourinho because his comments in the press might make us a laughing stock. Yes, I I know. (laughs) Yes, the potential controversy and and, uh, I'm afraid... uh... Uh, I'd uh, I'd take Mourinho's comments in the press if it was a, a straight choice between Mourinho, brilliant tactician, uh, man motivator, a man who re- gets respect from every player he's uh, ever worked with, even Ibrahimovic. Moyes would dare to Zlatan. <laughs> he would not. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, if it was a choice between Moyes and Mourinho, uh, tactically you pick Mourinho every time. In terms of status, you pick Mourinho every time. And and uh, I'm afraid now, in terms of PR controversy, you even pick. Mourinho every time. It's even worse than that. If it was a choice between David Moyes and Roberto Martinez, uh, what would have happened with United's season right now? Now, 
uh, Martinez blows hot and cold tactically, doesn't he? He's, a, he's an innovator, but he doesn't always come off. Uh, he, he wouldn't have commanded anywhere near the same level of respect in the dressing room as, as Mourinho, but he'd have got United playing football, and there's a very good argument to make that, uh, that United would be higher up the table. Not that I'm advocating for his appointment, or, or was ever advocating for his appointment, but it's a damning indictment of uh, David Moyes that uh, his replacement is quite clearly a better manager. Yeah, and you know the, the thing about the dichotomy of it is there is a level below which you fall where giving you time is no longer something that should be advocated by a fan with the club's best interest at heart this is this is the thing about it it's like nobody was expecting us to win the league even though I said we would I was thinking about that the other day um I I think what I said was I think we're going to buy a marquee signing and then win the league um so that's my Mm, yeah don't 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 walk this back now you're getting a bit (laughs) noisy about this I'm going to try and find a way to justify it but yeah no that there is a a threshold below which you fall where you no longer deserve the best of United fans you no longer deserve this time thing because it's gone too far and I think it's absolutely clear by any metric that I can work out except for the one get out clause I do give myself when when this is all being played back when Moises won his third Champions League you know is that this is all from my perspective watching it which is an inexpert hobbyist perspective I'm not there I don't know what his plan is he might have a secret brilliant plan that we can't see all these things are possible it's just from the outside looking in Everything I can see looks disastrous at every level. Yes. Well, look, given given that, let's look forward to the games to come because uh, at least United are playing a a side in Aston Villa who are well below us in the table. It's the only teams that United actually beat. Uh, One one (laughs) win in 13 games against uh, teams in the top nine in the Premier League this season. Pretty awful record from United against anyone who's actually decent so good job we're playing Aston Villa who are not decent although did beat Chelsea a couple of weeks ago but uh, lost to Stoke uh, in rather inept fashion at the weekend yeah they're a weird bunch not only have they beaten Chelsea but they also beat Arsenal at the beginning of the season and they beat uh, Manchester City although (laughs) that was not a game they deserved to win as City were properly robbed in that one but yeah Villa have pulled off some big results against big sides and if this was away from home I'd be bristling with confidence but we've managed to mess it up at home even against the most abject of opposition haven't we we lost to West Bromwich Albion at home this season they're pretty dreadful worse than Villa certainly and, and Villa have got players that could hurt us Having said all that, I'm pretty confident we should play more like the West Ham game and, and get more of a West Ham type performance and result. Mm, well, we'll see. Uh, it's uh, it's hard to know what will be uh, what will be selection from one week to the next. And of course, uh, United following the game against Aston Villa have Bayern Munich, so you'd expect some changes for that home game. So uh, all the ingredients there for United royally screwing this one up. Uh, Saturday morning, well, Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Uh, and uh, and some changes and a home game and some tension there and uh, you'd expect a tough game for United as a result. Shouldn't be the case, of course, because Aston Villa uh, are not a brilliant side. They've, they've done fine this season. You know they're out of the uh, out of the uh, betting for relegation. They're going to they're going to be okay. They'll survive. And uh, and Lambert's doing his best on meagre resources and a reasonably young side in in which he's trying to mould a. Um, a good uh, a good team, you know. If he does any better than this, he'll be on Ferguson's hit list for the next United manager, won't he? You know, being a Scot and all that. Um, but Villa were properly abject against Stoke. I, uh, I sat and watched that one, and I don't know why I did, but it was quite funny, I suppose, uh, watching Stoke tiki-taka their way through Aston Villa's defence. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely hopeless performance. That one of one of the worst performances by anyone this season, probably to get beat four one off Stoke. That is pretty pretty terrible. I think we beat Stoke, didn't we? Oh no, no, no. Of course <laughs> we beat them, but they also at least got a draw with us. I can't even remember now. It's all just pain. I mean, we'll win this, right? Surely we're not going to mess this up. We're going to get a response in this game, Ed. Yes, I love that word. Yes, uh, one one that Wayne Rooney used this week when he said. Uh, uh, you know, we we win one and then we take a step back. No, Wayne, you take about 15 steps back. And, and then he said, uh, we have to respond. We have to play. Play All good talk. All good talk. But uh, unfortunately on the pitch, it hasn't been translated uh, into results very often this season. So so will United beat Villa? Well, I should. But there are those caveats in my mind that there will be some changes. I wonder whether Moyes will be thinking about that buying game. Of course, it depends what his plan for the buying game is. If he has any sense, it will be to play about nine defenders and two goalkeepers and just lump it up to Maran Fellaini up front. Because he's good at holding it in the corner. You can just send him send him the ball and he'll keep it there for 90 minutes and we might get a draw out of it. Oh, yeah. I'm Marianne Fellaini. My one little bit of uh, moral-minded nonsense for the week. I hate seeing players elbow other players in the face. I absolutely hate it. It's uh, It makes me feel sick to my stomach when I see it. And Fellaini got away with a horrible, nasty, snidey one. Yes, and, and he's going to get away with it, of course, because uh, he got a yellow card for it, so he won't be getting the red that he... Uh, he should have. He is a dirty cunt. <laughs> um, talking of uh, rude words, what would you replace the word chosen in the chosen one with, asks at Salil Fatak. Yes, uh, the uh, the useless one. The chosen gone yeah. is the one that uh, many, many fans would like, of course. <laughs> Um, I would go with the trying one in in more ways than one. He's very trying. The scared one. Ah, oh, the fearful the trapped one. Inside his own fear one. That doesn't quite have the ring to it. At Fino seventy six says, "Will I ever feel fulfilled, or will this gaping hole where my soul should be remain until my untimely demise?" I've got a really good answer for that question, Fino, and that is, it depends on what you do. Very good. Always the answer to that question. Um, and this final Twitter question of the week because uh, we've got to wrap up pretty soon because Ed's got to go gallivanting doing businessy things with tech billionaires at writtenoff underscore MUFC asks if the class of 92 lads took over from Moyes who would be best to fill the various management and backroom roles well I think you could probably say because he's the oldest one they'll put gigs in charge I think you've got to have skulls developing the youth team that seems to me to be a match made in heaven. Uh, him and Nicky Butt can, can share that duty because uh, Nicky Butt's doing a fine job with that. Uh, I'd have Gary Neville as assistant manager, very good with cones, very good at shouting, good at giving tactical advice, perfect. Of course, Phil Neville's already there putting out the cones, although not, not officially actually a member of the class of 92, although he just does seem to have wormed his way in, doesn't he? And uh, Bex, I think, should be official looking handsome in the crowd uh, partner of the class of 92. Yeah, well, you know, special teams, free kick coach. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, not likely to happen, but I, I know a lot of United fans would uh, like to see greater involvement from uh, from that bunch of lads. Um, uh, I mean, Giggs uh, on the coaching side, he may or may not have a key coaching role. Depends on who you believe about that story. Skulls, as I said, might be coming back into it. Nicky Butt has a prominent role with the under-21s there. By all accounts, he's doing a very fine job there. Phil Neville um, or, 
or cough Phil as the players call him, um, is uh, is on the coaching staff. Not sure he's pulling up any trees just yet. No, kind of unfortunate really that he's tarred with a moisy brush, isn't it? Um, yes, well, it, yes, he is. But he hitched his uh, hitched his wagon to that that one, didn't he? So yeah. Um, so you reckon it was Phil Neville that 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 particular epitaph was labelled that. I'm not sure. I'm just guessing. Okay. Um, all right. Talking of just guessing, I would guess that we have got a less than 0.05% chance of winning against Bayern Munich. You never know. Ah, what? Well, you never know. The the bookies say that uh, United do have a chance. It's 8-15 to Bayern to win uh, at Old Trafford and 1-6 and to six on for them to take the tie overall. I don't actually remember... Uh, odds that distant for United uh, winning game football ever one to six um for the tie I think there might be a little bit of bookies trying to generate some revenue there because that looks a little long to me I mean a bit of a loss leader sort of thing but six to one on for the tie seems not not unreasonable my god great value if you if you, if you put uh, 600 quid on that one you're gonna get 100 back <laughs> nice but yeah I, I do think that United's odds might be a bit wrong because uh, I think we've probably got more of a chance at home but I, I having said that having just watched the City game yesterday I've lost all sense of confidence that that's the case I, I kind of imagine as the Champions League anthem plays I'll start to think yeah come on we could do this but the chances of us actually doing it, Philip Lam, just with the hundred percent pass completion yesterday night. Yeah, he's he's rubbish that 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 Lam, isn't it? Yeah, Bayern Munich beating uh, Hertha Berlin to follow up their winning against Mainz and Leverkusen. The uh, the aberration was the draw with Arsenal. Uh, I, I don't think they really took that one very seriously. Smashed Wolfsburg, smashed Schalke, smashed Hanover. Uh, smashed Freiburg, smashed Hamburg. Just check their results out. Unbelievable. Smashed Frankfurt. They've absolutely walked the Bundesliga this year. Uh, they've it almost looks as if they've outgrown it, which is ridiculous when you're talking about a league as strong as the Bundesliga. If there are any weaknesses in the Bayern team, it's hard to spot them, maybe in central defence, but United won't have the ball long enough to test that one out. I wouldn't have thought. When you look through their riches in central midfield, it's like a who's who of world central mid- midfield they've overtaken Barcelona now I think in that respect uh, uh, every single one of their top eight central midfielders is better than one that United has they could put two teams out and it'd still be better than United and and that's you know, I'm afraid that's just a an objective of assessment they are miles ahead right now um, you'd expect United to get firmly beaten I think really the question is uh, not only whether United can up their performance level which they haven't done against better teams this season so history would suggest that is not going to happen but just how much Bayern want to uh, rack up a ton of goals because they don't necessarily have to they could uh, win this tie over two legs and and uh, I think they know that which uh, which we saw against Arsenal when the performance level dropped significantly yeah I mean I think they'll they'll want some away goals won't they um, it's really it's this is a tie that you definitely from our perspective you don't want the first leg to be the home leg uh, because they're going to be gunning for those away goals to get the tie locked up aren't they although they've already won the Bundesliga so you know they've not got really too many problems with and they've got a fairly fairly good squad depth I think it's fair to say yeah we're going to get absolutely hammered over two legs maybe we'll pull off a result at Old Trafford maybe the real problem with trying to predict any kind of win is that as you say like the, the history tells us the performance doesn't come 
all the talk comes, all the kind of pre-match. It's Man United. There's a certain there are certain assumptions. I think we've all got a kind of residual optimism left over from the football we've watched over the years. But the reality of Moyes' Manchester United is that they're a complete hollow shell of themselves against big sides. They've been embarrassed every time they've played a big team this season. And and yeah, we beat Arsenal one nil. That's the stat, right? That we've got the one win. But that win shouldn't even count on the stat because they were terrible that day, Arsenal were. Mm, well, and Arsenal got smacked for six at City and Chelsea and, and uh, five at Liverpool. So it's, um, yeah, uh, of of the, of the, uh, the top clubs that Arsenal have played uh, with the aberration, I suppose. Look, everything points to a heavy Bayern win. Um, in my mind, that says that Moyes might take a very cautious approach to this one at home. United will play like the away side and try and hit Bayern on the break. Um, interesting how exactly he sets up, though, because uh, the total mess that was three in midfield uh, against City, it's hard for him to replicate that. That said, Bayern are going to completely outnumber United in midfield, so he's going to have to do something about it. You'd, you'd expect Valencia will come back into the side and Welbeck will play and Rooney will play up front. On his own, Mata can't play, of course, so uh, can he find room for Shinji Kagawa? as the link between the midfield and the forwards. I'm not sure that he will. I think it's more likely that he'll try and deploy Phil Jones in central midfield. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't think anyone realistically expects us to beat Munich over two legs. So hopefully it'll all just be a bit of fun because what else is there really in this tie? As soon as the Munich draw, I mean, as you said, I think it's a wonderful draw for David Moyes because he's not going to get sacked for losing to Bayern Munich, is he? You know, you can't sack him for that. So actually... It did work out perfectly. Yes, well, you could if, if they stick 10 past us, but it's, it's uh, unlikely. Anyway, look, uh, talk, talking the scores, we should make some predictions for the week. What do you think is going to happen against Villa and Bayern Munich? I think we're going to win 2-0 against Villa. Oh, yeah, my predictions were almost spot on. 2-0 win against West Ham and I said 4-1 against City and it was 3-0 sort of the same <laughs> um, I was a bit optimistic predicting a goal yeah, um, a little bit yeah, shame on you I think we're going to beat Villa 2-0 and I think we're going to lose Bayern Munich 4-1 <laughs> there you go wow yes I mean I think United should beat Villa but uh, I, I don't think it'll be one of those games where there's a fine performance uh, it's simply because uh, mines will be on the, the Bayern game following that so I'm going to say a 2-1 win for United and uh Let's uh, let's say 3-0 to Bayern. There you go. In these difficult times for Manchester United, I, I feel like you might as well just laugh at the whole thing, right? Because there's nothing else you can do about it. I mean, lots of people say, oh yeah, so this is just United fans learning what it's like to be normal football fans. And, I, and I've got a lot of time for that point of view. I, I think losing is not inherently problematic. It's not the end of the world. You know, you learn something by supporting a team that's not necessarily going to win every time they play. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing. But what's very frustrating this season is that it does not have to be this way I think the people writing that this level of collapse was inevitable following the departure of Ferguson are massively misreading the situation and actually it's all about the selection of Fergie's successor that's that's as you said earlier so rightly Ed there are many caveats to this story but the the key question for me is always if Jose Mourinho had got the job where would we be that's that's how you assess how much of this is Moise's responsibility yes and and some people would say that uh that uh, Mourinho would be in exactly the same position. I, I think given what he's done with Chelsea this season, that sounds like a very hollow statement to me, but it's one we'll never know. 
We'll never, never know. What we will know is how good United are against the very, very best in Europe and, and Bayern are most certainly that at the moment and I suspect that we're a extremely long way away from them. Uh, we'll also find out how good United are against uh, mediocre opposition from the Premier League in Aston Villa. Uh, I suspect United are a lot closer to them. <laughs> <laughs> You can take that one in a, a number of ways. Uh, and uh, let's hope there's something to cheer about over the next few days. It could be a bit depressing. Certainly the last week has been uh, from, a, from a positive performance against West Ham to something completely abject against City. Uh, my boss is a City fan. David Moyes, I blame you for the shit I've been taking this week. I've sworn on this show more times than I've done in a very long time. Uh, producer Tom will be bleeping many things out and it's your fault David Moyes <laughs> um, so if you want to get us in between now and the next show uh, you can get me at UTD Rantcast and you can get Ed at United Rant that's on Twitter uh, we're both at facebook.com slash United Rant and uh, you can get us on the show page at unitedrant.co.uk if you want to help out with the bandwidth costs unitedrant.co.uk slash donate thank you very much to everyone that has done that it really does make a difference and allow us to keep doing this show which I don't know about you Ed but is uh, helping me a great deal from a catharsis point of view you need an outlet it's very important and this is one well uh, in in uh, in the meantime uh, everyone have a good week and uh, try and keep uh, something in perspective uh, if, if Bayern do smash us well you knew it was going to happen so uh, that's okay. No need to throw yourself under any buses. Just yet, anyway. See you next week. <laughs>